Hello, this is Alan Mesos for the Bundesliga Bulletin newsletter, and I wanted to bring you a solo pod answering sort of six questions that um, I created for uh, Bundesliga and the top teams in the rest of the league. So I want to go through six burning questions, um, just because uh, although I did manage to watch uh, seven of the eight games that have been played on match day six, I felt like there's more to be learned, more to be gained from uh, talking about the teams uh, in, in, in this format rather than breaking down individual matches. And maybe this is a little bit, um, has a longer shelf life uh, with the quick succession of the Champions League than, than doing single game match analyses. And uh, I'll continue to do uh, team analysis and I'll have one on Stuttgart out uh, fairly soon, probably during the international break. So just, that's just sort of the housekeeping aspect of it. And I want to thank all the new subscribers that, that, that came and thank you for the existing support. And hopefully this will keep going um, as the Bundesliga season chugs along. So moving right along to the first question, which is how will Bayern's squad injury slash COVID management uh, impact their season? One of the things we saw this weekend was the 2-1 the win over Köln, which I can't remember the last time where Bayern generated six shots and or I should say Cone allowed six shots but 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 the Bayern team which had just one expected goal and basically I think no shots after the 50th minute and you know you can sort of argue about the penalty and and obviously the, the Grabny goal was really nice but other than that it wasn't a super exciting game uh, Lewandowski was was rested and Goretzka also also got a break and you know, it was a, it was kind of a rotated squad ahead of the uh, the Champions League with with Salzburg and of course, uh, more importantly, the the Klassiker uh, next this Saturday, I should say. So it was it wasn't really uh, a whole lot of uh, interesting things in it, other than yeah, I guess Munasar looked good at left back and uh, Köln managed to target Benjamin Pavar as as the right back, and got a little bit of Javi Martinez uh, with with Kimmich and. Uh, Got Sané back, who, who looks a little bit rusty and still is, I think there's some questions to be asked about him and, and his sort of fit in, in Hansi Flick's uh, system uh, as a collective unit. But uh, yeah, it just it just seemed like one of those one of those games where um, Bayern did just enough against the Cologne side, who, to their credit, uh, I think um, they were uh, the most intensive pressing side in terms of pressures coming into this match, and they play a kind of annoying style that they press all over the pitch, uh, often very high and uh, have you know, a lot of individual athletic qualities with, with Jakobs or Marius Wolf or the defenders as well. So they're kind of tough to beat. And um, Gisdol Sider are generally is going to be you know, well-trained and, and well-drilled and, and going to be tough to, tough to get by uh, even, even when they, even when they don't, don't look so good. And I think that their, their second half, Almost come back um, gives them gives them a lot to be thankful for and hopeful for, and it's certainly probably one of the best uh, teams that I've seen in terms of having so few points. Uh, so, uh, but in terms of the Bayern squad management aspect, I think I think this is going to be interesting because they did manage to get a rest to uh, Lucas Hernandez as well, who's been playing because of the Davies injury. Now today it's come out that Niklas Zula has tested positive for COVID, so it's very likely that he's going to miss uh, the Classicer and also the midweek Champions League game. Um, they already got the Tolisso was suspended for for this week for this uh, Bundesliga match as well. They've they've had to deal with the Gnabry COVID situation, who's now come back and scored a great goal. But obviously, uh, Alfonso Davis is out, so um, they are giving Lewandowski rest. I think eventually they were talking about Kimmich needing a rest. Uh, 
I think Hansi Glick has mentioned that, and Goretzka was obviously rested this weekend. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, and I think uh, this is uh, this is gonna be the thing where where in the Bundesliga you're, you're much more likely to see rotated Bayern sides. Although you know if they do basically win against Salzburg um, during the week, then there's not that much for them to play for in the Champions League. So maybe that could be a thing. But yeah, I think the the, the Dortmund game is gonna be pivotal, obviously, and, and we'll see how that goes. But I basically I would expect for Bayern to play a lot more of these games where, you know, you, you get maybe thirty minutes that are that are good for them and then they're just kind of try to try to just see out the game and not really invest a whole lot of uh, effort and energy into this. And, and uh, you know, um, it's a lot of sort of defensive possession with, you know, with not a lot of pressing, I think, other than Thomas Müller, because Thomas Müller is always going to have, you know, he had 31 pressures in this match. So, so you can't really stop him from, from from just doing what he does best. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's always going to be tough. I mean, Köln, Köln, I mentioned about the pressing side. So they had three players who had 30 pressures. Which is which is pretty insane, and all they were all the sort of midfield uh, forward forwardy types, um, and I think probably Sassi and Anderson would have gotten there had he played the full ninety. So, yeah, it's going to be one of these one of these uh, weird seasons in the Bundesliga where where you're going to see these kind of matches. I think more often than not, and I think Dortmund were a good example and just transition to the second second question, which is. Uh, Dortmund's defense is giving them a shot at the title, but can they find a second scorer next to Haaland? And well, obviously the easy answer is Mats Hummels, but uh, that's probably not the answer answer you want if you're uh, Dortmund. This is you don't want Mats Hummels to be your your your, your sort of top scorer, but uh, th- that's where we are. Um, so um, they played they played the, in Bielefeld, and obviously um, it wasn't wasn't a particularly exciting game. Bielefeld managed 0.2 expected goals and probably even no 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 chances I, I would say. Um and and you know they put a they put up a five three two with Sven Shiplock uh, and Fabian Close up top. So it's gonna be it's not really gonna be the, the type of uh style and type of forward duo that's gonna expose Dortmund's lack of uh, speed with Hummels in the back line, even in the back four. So it's a very comfortable sort of thing to play against. Um, so I wasn't really sure what Uwe Neuhaus was trying to do. He played Lise Doan as kind of a number 10. But uh, yeah, other than sort of some, some good some good sort of pressing movements by, by Bielefeld, but mostly they, they just stayed in the mid to low block and and just uh, you know i mean they didn't really didn't really do much and you know like a uh, Dortmund's Dortmund's defense i should i should sort of transition to in their in their sort of counter pressing they they allowed 66% pass completion to uh, to Bielefeld and um you know wasn't other than Jude Bellingham who was a pressing monster and had seven tackles and, and this is you see sort of his energy and his 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 role in in this one um they, 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 you know, this was a, a pretty dominant performance that, uh, unfortunately, it took a long time for them to to finish uh, off. Uh, you know, Brandt struggled with the finishing, but overall, I thought had a good game. Sancho as well um, created five shots again, um, uh, and then so did Brandt as well. So uh, I think I think Bellingham also six shot creating action, actions. Uh, all of these guys had close to or over a hundred touches. Um, really, the only only negative is, is is Marco Royce, who did set up the assist. But other than that, he he was pretty much anonymous. I mean, just uh, he had 
35 touches uh, in the 74 minutes. And and, and and at the same time, Sancho had 73 touches. And obviously, they have different roles. But um, you could see with Royce that the decline is, is pretty steep. And he's, uh, he's no longer the player that he used to be. But um, talking about Dortmund's defense, I mean, uh, just, just, to, just to see, like, they basically um, – this has been – it's been now six games and they've given up two goals against Augsburg, which if you remember, one was the sort of set piece and then the other one was the, the, the Jury counter where he bodied uh, Munier. And not only just that, but in terms of the, the chances allowed, the, the, the 3.6 that they have given up is is probably going to be the lowest now if Union Berlin are 3.2, but they play tonight. Uh, and and um, they're, they're also, you know, all, all of those defensive rankings, the shots on target against, they're, they're, they're the number one at. And um, they're doing this a lot by just sort of improved defensive possession, some some more counter-pressing, although still not like, you know, it's, it's never going to be a huge... It's just not a huge thing of Favre because that's just not what he's about. But uh, yeah, he's. Uh, it, it's been it's been interesting to see that uh, you know normally you would expect all this attacking talent from Dortmund and and really I think a lot of times their their their, their defensive prowess is, is under under talked about and I think it's going to be kind of an important part of. Uh, the classicer, which I'll probably do a preview, so I don't want to give away too too many of my thoughts. But I think um, it's I, w- I would think of the same kind of game that you saw in the Super Cup, where Dortmund uh, will have chances on the break, and and we'll we'll see if they can take them. I mean, that's that's sort of the the problematic version of that is that they haven't really been taking a lot of those chances lately. Um, uh, although they've been playing teams that that they play deep lock so you did see early on with Haaland and once he plays and he obviously was rested or had some sort of a knee problem um, but I guess he was just rested for uh, the much more important Champions League and, and, and the Classicer uh, that they're going to look to do well and, and, and so that's sort of the optimistic version but um, you should be excited about Dortmund's defense and, and Gurki has uh, three clean sheets and I think he's played like four games so um, yeah I, it's, that, that in terms of that's that's good and, and uh, there's obviously that these two teams are at the top because um, and this is going to transition into the third one is what's happened to the Julian Nagas magic has it has it uh, run out or has the has the spell been broken or, or some sort of uh, wizarding metaphor here that you can insert on your own here but uh, no I mean um, I watched uh, pretty closely um, their, their loss in uh, Old Trafford where they really were unable to solve this diamonds four through three that uh, Solskjaer is now apparently using in every game and thinks it's the answer to all of life's problems um, but, um, you know, I think uh, they did struggle a lot in possession and I think they certainly struggled much more uh, against Gladbach, who I will get to in a second. But, uh, yeah, they, they, it, was, it was one of those games where it, they're, they're, it seemed like both of these teams just you know, did so much analysis. And obviously Rosa and Maric and, and Nagelsmann, I mean, they <laughs> know, know so much about each other um, that you were not really going to surprise anybody. And, and even, the, even the formations are pretty sort of kind of four two three one against like a four two three one slash diamondy thing where where you know embolo sometimes would, would be would be there but he would be tracking um a couple but um yeah it just seemed like uh leipzig don't really have any healthy bodies in terms of center back so they can't really play a back three anymore where that's usually their formation where they want to dominate against teams and they usually just choose a four when they think um, the team is uh, equal or, or, or better than them 
Um, I think in, in, in this match, because basically he, he didn't really have, other than like Konate, he didn't really have a center back. And I mentioned Konate had played midweek and he's coming back from a long injury. So, and Lionelsman doesn't seem to like to play Orban and Konate uh, with Dupomecano in a back three, which which I, I sort of understand because like none of those guys are sort of the, 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 the full backs that he likes to have or much more sort of progressive and Orban doesn't have great recovery speed. So I understand why he went for the four four chain here and um, played Hendricks at right back, which which he's been playing. It didn't really work out super great. Uh, and then uh, to me, like Sabitzer still looks way off from his best. Obviously, he this was one of the f- things for the first game that he started. Um, and then Campo looks like against the very very top teams, like in the same same way United, where where you can get overrun physically. And I think Embolo was was was. It was a tough matchup, and Campbell at one point looked to be pretty lucky to stay on the field because of two tactical fouls. And I think only got a yellow card for one of them. But uh, yeah, and then and then and then I think much more much more uh, concerning for Nagelsmann is 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 the the attack generation, which felt. I mean, I, I wrote long piece and, and I wrote about how they use that single pivot and um, generating that way, uh, which they've gone away from. And, and a lot of this comes to Aquilino or. Or it will be relying on Forsberg or, or you know, um, Dani Olmo, and yeah, it's 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 kind of it looks like it, it might have been might have been sort of a gimmicky thing that's been propelling them, but maybe now as teams have adjusted or they might have just done some more video, it doesn't seem to be working as well. Um, he tried Serloth and, and Paulson. Well, Serloth had some good movements, but he's much more of a dribbling wide forward in a center forward's body than an actual center forward. And Pozen hasn't had a good game. I think I think he's he kind of struggles against the, the, the better quality teams in terms of his technique and, and touch uh, layoffs. And Kunku seems to have vanished and, and this guy who doesn't seem to be in, in, in sort of favor. Um, and yeah, he started Lazar Samarjic and he was very happy with, with him, but I didn't really see anything too special from him and yeah, and, and Olmo as well who who was there, but um, yeah, other than you know, other than doing you know, I mean, I guess Samarjic was the best presser of the team. He put up twenty eight pressures in sixty eight minutes, which is which is which is huge. So you can understand why Nagasman was happy about him. But um, yeah, um, I didn't really see too much. I think I think Omo failed to create a shot in sixty five minutes, which is which is not great. And then when Nkunku came on, he, he did create four. So so maybe this is going to be. Uh, something for him but yeah it, it remains to be seen how you know i mentioned that that yeah that how they're going to replace uh, the, the goals of schick and, and Werner, but but it but it almost seems like that schick was was a bigger loss and just in terms of having a a guy that they can play this sort of clutch spiel that sort of clutch spiel is basically like a it's not really like a wall pass but it was basically when you when you play the ball to the striker who can then lay it off uh, and then that was a really important part of not of nagelsmann's I mean, it's been an important part of his principles wherever he's coached, but uh, they're missing that because I think Polzin is not quite that player because it doesn't really succeed on those passes. And and Serloth, um, for all his sort of build, he, he doesn't maybe that, that doesn't seem like it's the best part of his game. Um, so that 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 to me was an, was was a kind of an interesting thing. And 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 we'll see. I mean, I mean, they they they, they did play sort of tough matches now with. With the uh, Old Trafford playing Man United there, Old Trafford and now uh, Gladbach um, as well away, so you certainly can lose those games, and there's nothing nothing wrong with them. But uh, yeah, it might have been just sort of a hot start. Uh, I think the important match is going to be PSG against Tuchel, 
And the schedule doesn't get any easier because then they, you know, Freiburg, yeah, that's fine. But then they they go to Frankfurt and then PSG again. So we'll, we'll see. And then eventually they will play uh, Bayern as well. So uh, yeah, as as I, as I mentioned, I think in well, the end in part of the piece there that that this could be this could this could go a lot of ways and this might just be something. But again, you know, keep in mind they they still haven't you know they're still missing Tyler Adams as well who hasn't who hasn't played. Because uh, he's he's been in and out of lineup, so so Nagelsmann is plugging a lot of holes, and you know Haidara was out with the COVID, and then he just came back. So uh, it, there's a lot of continuity that that just isn't really there. Halstenberg um, had to miss time because of death in the family, and he was also hurt now. Klosterman had surgery. Mukiele was out. So I mean, in, in some ways, that was that was part of last season, and it, it always Nagelsmann is papering over these cracks. But at some point, I think especially in this season when the games are just so close and then you just play so many of these matches and the schedule is so congested, that's not likely to to hold up. But um, let's move on to the foals who I've been kind of having some questions and some thoughts about and didn't really make them public. But the question that I have here, which I'm going to answer is, have the foals been holding back? So the reason why I'm, uh, reason why I'm saying that is... Um, is what I was looking at the, the pressing numbers for uh, the Bundesliga, and like even before this game, um, I've noticed something that was weird to me that like uh, Gladbach were among, uh, I think they were among the, the lowest in pressures and defensive actions, which is which is strange because it's not what you associate with the uh, Marco Rosa team, and so I mean it wasn't wasn't in this game. I mean in this game um, they. They had 192 pressure events, um, which is pretty crazy, uh, because uh, in so in the, in the first uh, in last season, there they they were they basically like you know in terms of the pressure events they were well, sort of middle of the table. But obviously, you know this doesn't account for possession uh, and how much you have. But in the attacking third, I think they were the fourth highest. Um, and this season, there doesn't seem to be any evidence of that. So when I when I usually think it's like it's probably not that this this, this team has gotten worse or it doesn't. It's more they they don't want to press and and so so why that is? I think uh, I was having this conversation with, with with the coach, and and I think what they were saying is that it could be like a load management issue that they might be doing uh, a preseason workload in the first couple of weeks of the season, and so so that means that they might just just not be as fit. And I think that's certainly certainly possible. Um, with with what they what they have been trying, uh, and I think they they there, there doesn't there does seem to be like plenty of evidence, um, because because it because those uh, those defensive action numbers have ticked up, uh, particularly like in this match. So, um, just to give you some numerical uh, evidence for that, so they had like forty three in the, in this match, and and they had like a hundred and. 65 or so, 70 or so in the first five matches. So obviously, it seems like they're they're now maybe, and it could be you know typically what you know about these training cycles, uh, it could be six weeks. So they might be getting into that part where where they're lightening the load, and 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 some of those players have now don't have to just their legs are just not that heavy anyway it's hard to it's hard to you know speculate and speculating is easy but it's hard to know um but i think i think that might be a thing and and maybe that's because of the, how they started last season where where they you know after goal is drug and Schalke, they, they they took the lead and and seemed to run out of gas at the end 
having played Europe League and maybe this season they don't want to make the same mistake and, and they, they want to be on a different sort of load management schedule. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I mean, some, some of the some of the guys had insane matches like Hannes Wolf and Jonas Hoffman had 38 and 37 pressures and Hannes Wolf, obviously the, the hero of this match who uh, is on loan from Leipzig and kind of left because of this Instagram post that he made where, where sort of some, some flashy things with, with, with the car and, and, and whatnot. So they, uh, in Agelsmann wasn't too happy about him and, and didn't, 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 he seemed to imply that Wolf didn't want to fight for his spot. And obviously uh, Nagelsmann was, 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 he was kind of, I mean, don't want to say happy, but but he, you could say like he was gritting his teeth when he was giving compliments to Hannes Wolf after the match. And obviously, we, I didn't really see Hannes Wolf's side, but I'm sure he was very happy. I mean, he did he did refer to himself as a Gladbach player. So this this was this was interesting uh, for for that setup. But yeah, I, I think um, Gladbach should certainly be one of those teams to to watch because uh, you know they played this game basically. Alvedi got hurt and first half and, and so they had to make adjustments for that by by um by bringing in oscar rent and then kind of moving uh, bensvaini back as a center back so th- this is a team team that still isn't fully fit and ready i mean Marcus Duram only played 18 minutes uh and and you know basically because of the, the real match so there they are they are still doing a lot of rotation they are still in that really tough group with inter and um real madrid and with Probably, you know, um, well, I guess kind of fortunate slash unfortunate to just have two points depends on your perspective. But played played those games uh, pretty close, uh, and uh, yeah, they were they up like after ninety minutes in both. So, so probably unfortunate in that sense. But uh, yeah, we, we would we would have to see with Gothenburg. I, I, I'm now much more optimistic uh, when it comes to them than than I was say like a week ago um because of because of the because uh, of what i what i now think about that it was you know just sort of a load management issue and and, and not not something more structural uh but yeah uh, they, they play Shakhtar twice and then uh Leverkusen Augsburg and then Schalke so not particularly the the toughest schedule so this might be this might be a time for for for, for you to to think about them and uh i still don't really think of them as a title contender um, particularly because they play Champions League, and then they're very likely to play Europa League. So, and I think the squad without Zakaria, who is, should be coming back, but you know it's been said for a while. Um, I still think they're they're just not they're just not on the same level. But obviously, I think with with Rosa, um, you can never really count him out because he's again proved why he's one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the Bundesliga. So we, we will see. Um, and then the, the fourth question, uh, so the first question, and then I, I just have two more. Um, fifth is sort of a short detour on Leverkusen, which is have they finally broken out with this 4-2 win uh, or even the six goals against Nice in, in the Europa League? So there's an interesting um, thing going on with Leverkusen where, where um, basically like all their attacking numbers look absolutely terrible. Um, and on one hand, you can understand, and I wrote a big piece for Football Critic uh, a couple of weeks ago about how they go about replacing Kai Havertz, and the other side of that was the uh, the piece that I that I wrote about Leipzig replacing Werner. So it seems like they're taking a by committee approach, but yeah, they were like they were. I think they had like after three or four games, they had like three point two xG, like the worst in the league, and didn't seem to be generating a lot. And then now they, they. I mean, even in this this Freiburg game, which I, I had a chance to do this on TV, this game for TV, and 
And when you look at the XG, it's like 1.2, but then but then you see like they were basically, you know, other than the first 20, 30 minutes where they got caught by this really nice um, counterattack where um, this Jonathan Schmid to uh, Kübler and then played in Lucas Höhler and there was a little miscommunication between Sven Manibender and Tepsoba and then Höhler finished that. But then they got fairly fortunate with the with the, with a penalty well, uh, i mean not fortunate in the sense that it was the right call but you know the referee sent off uh Sven Bender for uh, sort of what was deemed the last man foul on on Hüller and then it was rescinded and given a yellow card and was right at the edge of the box so like it was the best possible outcome and the perfect application of uh, VAR and not just from a Leverkusen uh fair perspective and then it seemed to have turned the game after that because I mean, Nicholas Hüffler, poor, poor Nicholas Hüffler, uh, one of the underrated Bundesliga guys, basically gifted them two or three goals. But uh, Alario hit two, and uh, he seems to be firing. Uh, and then a great call by Amiri. And a lot of this is about uh, Florian Wirtz, who I think people don't really talk about enough in the little things that he does. But one of the things I noticed is, is just how the how he kind of presses and how he just has these little touches when when you know he gets some pressure and he's able to just kind of uh, pass the ball along or, or even just like scrape it along and somehow the attack keeps uh, percolating as he um, you know it doesn't seem to be the most physical guys but he always seems to get these passes off and yeah they they managed to get that committee approach and uh, Amiri scored uh, scored a really nice goal and then even Jonathan Ta who came in and scored a header off of a set piece but it's a, it's a, it's I think that's the that's the sort of upper range of Leverkusen when, when all these guys like Bailey has started to play well Diaby has had a couple of good showings mostly in the Europe League but uh, uh, I think a little bit against Augsburg as well that, that that maybe you get those kind of seasons and and eventually it works out but I still have a lot of questions about the fullback spots because. No, I think what Freiburg did, and I think this is what most teams are going to do against Leverkusen, is that you sit off of their center backs and you deny the pass to Baumgartlinger or whoever plays the number six. I think they tried Demir Bay in the second half, and Demir Bay is a guy who looks like he's not going to be the answer. And I think uh, super disappointing season last season. I think this this got a chance earlier as to play as an eight, and he seems to be out of the side and it's it seems like a Baumgartlinger Arangis playing with Wirtz and Amiri. Um so so basically you just deny that the, the pass to the six and then you lead them to the outside and their fullbacks are not attacking enough, I think, even with Singravan who has some good passing options. Um but yeah you can you can just kind of get by and you you, you deny them the center, uh, you mark it basically you, you mark the eights and then and then just basically you can you can still have your uh, you can still have your uh, fullbacks and the wingers, and just shift across and then just kind of you know, I mean it in in some ways Freiburg were pretty unlucky to concede that much and and they did beat themselves a little bit so, um, yeah I, I think feel better about uh, you feel better about uh, Leverkusen now than you did a couple of weeks ago but. Um, you know, this is still uh, this is still not a not a great team by any margin. I mean, their expected goals difference per ninety is below that of Union Berlin, and kind of on par with Frankfurt and Gladbach, maybe a little bit better than those. But uh, yeah, the defense for them has been really strong. I think I, I neglected to mention that, but but they're right up there with Leipzig and Dortmund, and Khadetsky is so far having a, a great season, made some really important saves, and um, yeah, they're controlling a lot of these games, but. Um, yeah, I just I just think their their ceiling is much much lower, so we shall see how that works. 
And last but not least, sort of the best of the rest roundup. Um, you know, what did you, what did I see that was interesting? I guess is my question. So um, just to kind of go through those those teams and those, those matches as well. So um, I saw Gladbach. Other than those matches, I saw Augsburg um, beat Mainz, which was a fun game, mostly because they, you know, Augsburg was pretty much in control for the first half. Mainz were really, really terrible, as Daniel Brzezinski <laughs> pointed out. Um, didn't have any ideas. And then um, they, you know, they got this really great bicycle kick goal by Ruben Vargas. But I think the, the important takeaway from this match is Andre Hahn is a striker who's got, got now three goals and, and, and is good for all three of those goals. But uh, he was he was a pest. And you, I think people are familiar with Andre Hahn. Uh, He's now 30. So, but but they played him mostly because Niederlechner was hurt and Finn Mogensen is coming back from injury. So, so they needed somebody next to Grigoric and, and Grigoric would drop deep and Han was the long option. And he actually, you know, for, for all his faults as a technical, not, not a technical player and, and not a great passer, he fought for them and actually managed to bring the ball down and, and fed Vargas for a really, really great chance in the second minute. And I guess missed that one. And he was always an option. So, so whenever, you know, Mainz would lose the ball or you know, Augsburg just wanted to play the long ball after they were pressed, like Han was always there and, and, and it just was a constant nuisance. And yeah, they, they still needed two, two late goals from him because uh, Mainz actually made a good comeback in the first half of the, the second half. And then with, with only Siebel, once he came on from Mateta, there was a lot of more danger. And um, they looked like they were they might they might get a draw. But then um, uh, those two goals by Han, one set up by Finn Bugas, another one by Noah Joel Sarenz and Baze, who just seemed to just run through unopposed. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, um, it's interesting, Salzburg, uh, that that they, you know, they got a little bit of Tobias Strobel to to have more playmaking. Uh, I thought that was a good idea. Caligiuri is playing kind of as a winger who cuts inside and offers a lot. So, yeah, I mean, this is a team that I continue to say that they, they have a very good identity of what they want to do. And I think when they don't play these top sides, or even I think if we saw against Dortmund, they, they will have a chance against those sides. And um they can stay in a lot of these games and, and, you know, if they get a couple of bounces or if they keep it close and then, then, then there's a lot, a lot of things to be excited about when it comes to Augsburg. Um, I was similarly excited about Stuttgart as well, though, though, uh, and I'm going to write about them and still, still a big fan of this team, but um, would have liked to have seen them beat Schalke. Um, particularly, they looked, Pretty lost in the first half with this. Uh, I think Matrazzo called it a four-four-two diamond, and they made some changes with Klimovic playing instead of Didavi as well. Uh, they were without Silas, and they played basically uh, Sosa and Kulibali on the wings. I didn't. Sosa had a good game, but but Kulibali didn't. Um, and Schalke, you know, with Manuel Rome actually had a decent game plan with their sort of three, three to five backs system, and then I think. Once they removed Kalajic for Nico Gonzalez, the Stuttgart were a much better team in the second half and needed uh, a tactical adjustment from Schalke to to go back to the four chain. And uh, yeah, they didn't didn't manage to win this game. But um, I mean, obviously, you can't feel too bad for them as as as, as being an Aufsteiger as a team that was newly promoted. But uh, they, you know, you could you could actually feel that they they would be good for a. A few more, a few more points uh, than the nine that they already have, but you can't really complain too much about about where they are um, in terms of in terms of their in terms of their uh, output or even you know just sort of some some of the numbers. So like expected points has them at like eight point four. So 
I guess you can't really complain there. Um, and then some of the other other interesting teams that I just want to cover very, very briefly. Um, that, that um, You know, Bremen and, and Frankfurt, I, I will reserve my thoughts because I didn't see that game, but Bremen continued to be uh, getting outshot and out-expected goals and, and still get these kind of points and not really playing well in general. Uh, but I will... I'll see if I can go back and watch that game. And then I did manage to catch Wolfsburg against Hertha, which actually seemed like a 0-0 game that had two two good goals in the first half, probably the goal of the weekend by Reid Labaku. But yeah, I continue to be unimpressed by Glasner at Wolfsburg with, with what they're doing in terms of generating attack. I think uh, Toby Escher had a nice tweet that like when they when they it's like the 93rd minute and they could be going for a win they, they basically take out Vekorst uh, and bring in Bialek to to waste time and they take 15 minutes to 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 have a throw in and that, that's basically how you get five draws I mean um, okay they didn't have Maxi Arnold they still have like nine injuries in the back line so some of that is that but that that doesn't seem to be the problem it seems to be more. How do you create anything? And and I mean, this is not a team that creates much. So um, basically about one expected goal per per match. But, um, you know, I think they've already played Bielefeld and, and they haven't, you know, they haven't really had like the toughest, the toughest schedule um, at all. Um, so, I mean, just, just, you know, the, it's a bit like they played Freiburg, Augsburg and Armenia and Hertha and, you know, they still have to play the Dortmunds, Leipzig, and, and and the Lions and whatnot, and yeah, I, I, and then obviously they they got bounced out by AK Athens in the Europa League, and the way they ended with uh, Shakhtar Donetsk last season. So, and obviously the irony of this match is, is, is they were playing as Bruno Labbadia, who, who they let go last season because he wasn't really doing that. I mean, I don't know what he wasn't doing because he brought them into the Europa League. So, but apparently he wasn't playing the style that they wanted to play. But it seems like this current style is. Certainly much harder to watch, uh, but I mean, there's a lot of energy, but but it doesn't seem like it's 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 not. It, it has a limited ceiling, from what I would say. And that is basically sixth place or seventh place. And in this season, where you have a couple of surprising teams like Augsburg and Stuttgart, and maybe even Eintracht Frankfurt, who I think um, have better numbers, and I expect them to be there, and possibly Union Berlin if they do something funky. But um, so I, that that that's what I'm saying is that it might not be enough for. For Rosberg and yeah, you just—it's just hard to watch a team where, like, you know, they, they have had nine goals in their six matches so far. So, and Hertha could be happy about—I uh, think most of this game because I didn't think, you know, other than the first five minutes, I thought was were really good, and then there were some spells. But, but Hertha Brang and Duzi, I thought that that changed the game for them. Um, yeah, they, there's, it's still I still have those reservations that I have about them in general. That, that this is a team where I'm not really sure like the players fit what Labadia wants to do. Do they want to have a possession-based build-up game, or do they want to? And I always think like they look much better when they can run in transitions. And you see this with Cunha, who has the second most shots on target behind Lewandowski and scored a fluky slash lucky but Cunha goal. He seems to be getting a share of those. Um, and then you have Ginduzi who can move the ball, but, but then you also have like the Peter Pekariks and the Marvin Plattenhardt and, you know, Niklas Stark and a lot of these guys who I'm not really sure what they're doing. And Luca Bacchio, the, the classic Luca Bacchio experience yesterday, that he's so much quality, but then just the, 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 the most ridiculous decisions that he, that he tries to do. So that, that that's kind of the Hertha experience in, in a nutshell. And, and I, you know, they're not in trouble because I think there's at least three, if not four. I mean, you can debate about Köln, but 
probably Freiburg, Mainz, and Schalke are much worse than Hertha. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're going to be okay, but they're going to be far from those those big city club aspirations. Uh, I certainly they don't think it's likely to happen this season. Um, yeah, so that's basically um, what I wanted to what I wanted to talk about. Um, I will eventually get around to talking about more teams and, and writing more. But thank you very much for supporting this newsletter, and I hope to uh, have some some more content out definitely uh, for the Classicer, and then obviously I will have a preview more likely, and then obviously get into that. Hopefully, I will I will try to get the guests to discuss that match as well, uh, and then you know bring you more content about the Bundesliga. Thank you so much for supporting. Please tell your friends, tell tell people to subscribe. Uh, thank you so much. This is Alu Mesa signing off for the Bundesliga Bulletin newsletter.